Welcome to The Money Diaries. I am your host, Nicole Ayub, and I am the founder of Wall Street Girl Next Door. Here at The Money Diaries, we are going to be untangling the emotional relationship we have with our money and having an intimate conversation about the sides of money we never talk about. We will be diving into fear, shame, money wounds, habits, behaviors, and how we can heal them to have a beautiful and healthy relationship with our money. Here we go. Hey everyone, my name is Nicole Ayub and I am the CEO and founder of Wall Street Girl Next Door and the host of The Money Diaries. I am so glad to have you here and whatever brought you here today, I'm just glad that you found your way to The Money Diaries. So on this first episode, I'm going to introduce myself so you can get to know me more and tell you about why I started Wall Street Girl Next Door and The Money Diaries and to give you a deeper dive into both of those and what they each represent and what we're going to be diving into on this podcast. So first about me, I am born and raised in San Diego, California, on the beach, listening to the sound of the ocean, surrounded by palm trees. And that is my happy place and my natural habitat, which is very different than where I live today, which is Manhattan, New York. So I live in the concrete jungle And I have been here for seven years. I moved here in October of 2016. So it's been seven years since I made the jump. And I initially moved here for my career, which I will get into. And some days I love it. And some days I have no idea why I live in this city, which I think is natural for every New Yorker. So how I ended up in finance. So I do work in finance. I have worked in finance for the past decade. I started in the industry in 2013. And I always knew that I wanted to be in finance since I was a little girl. So when I was in sixth grade, I did a stock picking challenge where we had to pick a handful of stocks to track for a month. And so we built this little portfolio and every day we had to check how our stocks were doing. And at the end of the month, we either made money or we lost money. And that was it. That's what did it for me. I absolutely loved it. I got enamored with the stock market and I thought it was so fun to see how your positions did. And I actually got so into it that my parents gave me a little bit of real money and said, okay, this is your money. If you lose it, you lose it. And if you make money, then it's your money. So I did what I did in the stock picking challenge. I went and I picked a handful, like a couple different stocks that I was a consumer of. So that made sense to me. Brands that I knew and brands that I bought, I said, okay, well, that makes sense that I would want to go ahead and invest in those names. And so I remember investing in Procter & Gamble and Dell and then a mutual fund because I thought mutual funds were super cool, which I'm not going to let you know how much of a nerd I am this early. But I absolutely thought it was the coolest thing that you could own all these stocks in one mutual fund. And so I kept my money in the stock market and I let it grow until I was done with college. And at that point, I cashed out all the money that I had in the market and I bought my first home. 
or I bought it was a down payment on my first home. So I bought my first condo at 24 in San Diego and I still have that property. I bought it with the intention of knowing that I would live in it for a little while and then it was going to be a long-term investment for me. And that's what it currently is today. I still own it. I have tenants that live in it and it is my only investment property that I have. But that was how I started with investing in the stock market. And just to be completely transparent and clear, I have not always been that great with my money. So I don't want to paint the picture that I've always been made all these right financial decisions ever since a young age like that is 100 percent not the case. I have been a relatively good saver my whole life, but I've also been a spender and had problems with credit card debt and shopping uncontrollably. And so I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I know what it's like to save my money and to see what my money can do for me, which is really what that stock picking challenge did for me is it showed me that if I put my money away and I save it, then I can watch it grow and I can watch all the things that I can do with my money. And then I've also spent all my money and spent money that I didn't have. And so I know how both feel. I've been on both ends of the spectrum. And so I completely understand how it feels to want to spend all your money and want to buy all these things that I couldn't afford and I didn't have money for. And and I know those feelings of fear and shame and anxiety and anger, honestly, that it can cause at my financial situation. And I also know the enjoyment and peace and even excitement that money can bring. And so I felt both. And so I just want to be clear that I haven't always been super great with money. I've had my struggles and there are still things that I struggle with and that I'm working through. Your money, your relationship with your money is not linear. It's an ongoing evolution. And so there are still things that I work on today that I'm currently working on and working through. and, And I feel like it's just always a process of being able to find out how you actually feel and relate to your money and your finances. And so that's a little bit about my journey. And so when I got into the finance industry, I got my first job in La Jolla, California, working at a comprehensive estate and financial planning firm. And that was my introduction into the finance industry and into financial planning and working with private clients, which is what my entire career has been in. So when I say wealth management and private clients, that just means working with individuals and families on their investment and retirement needs. So I started in 2013 and at this firm is where I got licensed. So if anyone knows anything about being in the finance industry, I got my Series 7 and my Series 66 licenses, which are the two licenses that you need to be what is called a registered investment advisor. And so that allows you to place trades and manage people's money. So at my first job at this firm in La Jolla, I was working with high net worth individuals. So people who already had a lot of assets accumulated and 
I saw the type of help and attention that they got from the financial industry and financial advisors. And I always thought, well, why don't we give this attention and support to people that don't have assets accumulated yet or are just getting started in adulthood? Why do we not give people these resources and the same type of support? And the truth is we just don't because of the way that the financial industry is set up and the way that wealth management and financial advising is set up. It just doesn't work that way. And so I had this passion and I would sit in the mornings before work with two coworkers that became two of my closest friends. And every morning before we would start work, we would go in a little bit early and we would have these morning chats where we would sit and we would talk about life and vision and what we wanted to do with our life. And they were these really inspirational talks that we would have before we would start work. And I would always talk about how important financial literacy was to me and how I felt like we didn't, as a society and as an industry, make enough of a push to educate people on financial literacy and to help people make financial decisions in a healthy manner and how to manage debt and how to save and how to start investing and that demographic that doesn't have any assets yet. And maybe you have debt or maybe you just started making money and you don't know what to do with it and you're just spending it all. So what do we do with those people? You know, where do they come in? How do they factor in? And and I would just sit there and talk about how it was a passion of mine to help that demographic. And I had no idea how to do it. And that was 10 years ago that I started talking about that. And I was with that firm for a few years. And I came to New York in April of 2015 for a wedding. And that was the trip that changed everything for me. I came here and I booked a hotel on Wall Street because I'd always been so enamored with Wall Street and the stock market. And I always had this crush on New York, but it was always this place that it was like, oh, it would be so cool to live in New York and work on Wall Street, but that will never happen. And it was kind of like this dream that sat in the back of my head that didn't seem that it would ever come to fruition. And then April of 2015, when I came out for that wedding, I sat on the steps across the street from the New York Stock Exchange and I I was just people watching and I just took in all the energy of New York. And the thing about Manhattan, if you've ever been here, you can pretty distinctly tell who the New Yorkers are and who the tourists are. And I just remember seeing all the people coming in and out of their apartments or that they look like they were going to work. And I just said, I need to be one of these people. Like, I will be one of these people. Like, I need to make this happen. And I just intuitively knew that this is where I was meant to be. And I knew if I ever wanted to take my career to the next level and I wanted to follow through on my dreams, then this is where I needed to be. There just isn't the same magnitude of opportunities in San Diego that you can get compared to what you can get in New York. I mean, this is like the finance epicenter of the world. And so I had, that's just where I knew it within my soul that I I had to come here. And so I went back home and of course I wanted to get right back on a plane and move here like the next day. But 
that didn't happen. I waited a year and a half. I had I saved a ton of money. I made sure that when I moved here that I was ready and that I did it in a responsible way. And so that didn't actually happen until October of 2016. And the month before I moved here in September, I just remember booking a one-way ticket and I was like, all right, this is kind of one of those things where I was at this point in my life where I was like, this is going to happen now or never, you know? And so I booked a one-way ticket and I said, all right, now I've got to sell all my possessions and we're going to move to New York. And that's what I did. I sold everything. I got my condo rented and October 17th of 2016, which was a Monday, I moved to New York City with two suitcases, no job, and no apartment to live in. But I moved here with complete faith that it was all going to work out and that this is what I was meant to do. And I was right because as soon as I came here, all the stars aligned. I rented an Airbnb over in Brooklyn for my first month so I could get my bearings. I mean, I didn't know anything about the city. This was a complete brand new chapter, blank slate. I didn't have friends here. I didn't know anybody. I don't have any family in this area, like on the, you know, on the East Coast. It was just completely like fresh start. And so I was in final interviews at four different firms at the time, and I had to be in person for final interviews. And so I had faith that one of the interviews at these firms would turn into an offer. So I moved here on a Monday. By Thursday, I had a lease signed on my apartment in the city. And by that Tuesday, I had an offer letter signed at my first firm here in the city. So I got on my feet within about a week and that started this chapter. That started this chapter that's been the past seven years of my life. My first job was at an asset management firm. And since then, I've worked at two of the biggest global banks in the world. I'm currently still in the finance industry working in wealth management at a global bank, which I can't say too much about for compliance reasons. But I still work in wealth management, still work with private clients, and I'm right now more on the investment side where I build investment portfolios for high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals. And so that's been my career in a nutshell. And I still, when I came here, I said, all right, I'm going to have my career. And at the same time, I have to figure out how to spread financial literacy and how to help this demographic that I see getting overlooked. And then uh, the more firms that I worked in and the more I got into wealth management here in New York, and I just was able to really clearly see the disparity and how this demographic was just completely overlooked. And so it fueled this passion and this vision of mine, which I've been holding on to, I've really been clinging to for a long time and is now coming to fruition. And so even when I moved here in the city, I did nonprofit work at a nonprofit in the city that had did an after school program for inner city children. And I would go in 
after work and teach stock picking challenge and like a finance 101 class to high school students. And I absolutely loved that this program that I would go in and and volunteer for did a stock picking challenge because that's what got me started in my career. And that's what really changed my life. And so I just wanted to be able to give that back to students and to people. And that was just something that I did because it was that's really in line with my passion is just being able to help people, even if it's high school students that are are picking these stocks. It was just it's the most fulfilling thing because they would get really into it and they would ask questions. And that's like the stuff that people aren't able to do without having somebody there that they can ask those questions to. And that's why I always think the human element is so important for financial literacy and to and in personal finance and coaching, whatever it is. I think that the human element is super important. And I know that we've had robo-advising firms and more algorithm-based financial advising come into play within the past decade, which is great because it helps people start investing, but it still doesn't really give that essence of the human element of somebody being able to give you support that you need to really navigate your relationship with your money and your finances. So fast forward to starting Wall Street Girl Next Door. So I started my brand in October of 2022. So it's been about a year since I started Wall Street Girl Next Door. And the whole reason I started that brand was to help people and give them the resources and the support that they need to have a healthy relationship with their money and their finances. That can mean paying down debt, learning how to manage a credit card, learning how to save money, start investing. But the thing that separates what I feel this brand from other personal finance businesses is I really focus on the mental and emotional aspect of people's relationship with their money and focusing on overall financial health and not just looking at what are the symptoms of your financial situation, but looking at what is the driver underneath what's causing your behaviors and your habits and your thoughts. And so people can be stuck in these cycles of maybe making more money and still not being able to save, being stuck and paying off a credit card and then getting back into credit card debt. These are the cycles that people can get in. And unless it's addressed why the cycle is happening and what's fueling it, the cycle will continue. And so that's why I started Wall Street Girl Next Door. I really want to give people the tools and the resources to have a healthy relationship with their money. And trust me, I know working in wealth management for so long that the more money you make does not mean that you're going to have a healthy relationship with your money. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have fear. It doesn't mean you're not going to overspend. I see this across all demographics. And so people can have millions of dollars in their bank account, make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and still overspend. 
people can have make millions of dollars a year and still have fear that they're going to run out of money or that something's going to happen. Those emotional aspects don't go away with making more money. And so I want to help people address that because I want people to have peace with their money and to be able to have confidence in their spending and in their financial life because financial health is so important. And I also don't think that we talk about our relationship with how money makes us feel at all. And so the reason that I started this podcast is I want to talk about all the parts of money that we never talk about. So having a personal finance podcast, you know, is a dime a dozen. There's hundreds out there that give you the tools that you need, you know, on how to create a budget or how to pay down debt. But this podcast is all about the things that you don't tell somebody else, the things that you keep secret and you don't want other people to know about. It's all the areas of money that we hold in inside of ourselves. And the reason that I called this podcast The Money Diaries is because people go to their diary with their most intimate thoughts and feelings. And these are the thoughts and the feelings that people keep secret and they don't share with somebody else. And it can also be, it doesn't always just have to be the negative thoughts like the fears and the shame, but it can also be desires and enjoyment and positive things too. So it's all about talking about the emotional aspect of how money makes you feel. And it's really so one of the main pillars of Wall Street Girl Next Door is to help people not live in fear and shame of their finances because I see so much fear around money and it can be such a triggering thing to talk to people about. And I feel like there's even sometimes when people do talk about money, it's just such a taboo thing that we've created in society that it's very taboo to talk about money. It's like, oh, you know, like if you talk about money, then, you know, you're showing off. And sometimes people who do talk about money very openly do come from a place of ego and wanting people to know how much money they make or the status symbols that they have. And that's all an ego driven. That's all from an ego driven place. And so, this podcast, The Money Diaries, is where we are going to be diving in and talking about those aspects that we don't share with other people. And I want to create a safe space for people to think about their money differently and in a healthier way and in a more encouraging way because I, I have a lot of compassion and empathy for people who struggle with spending and debt, or maybe you're making money for the first time and you don't and you just keep spending and you're not saving anything. Or, you know, maybe you're in a great place and you just have nowhere to share this excitement because even being in a very abundant, positive place can be really triggering for people. And so there are certain elements of money and finances that I want to bring to the forefront that I feel like as society and definitely within the financial industry, we don't hold space for. And so that's really the tone of the brand and the podcast is it's just really looking at the deeper layers of money and the mentality too. So a lot of it is mindset and being able to help people think about their money in, in a different more open, healthy mindset 
and and really giving people tools. And so that's why I started this podcast. There will be some episodes where it will just be me talking on a topic, and then I will be bringing other people on that are going to be sharing their experiences with their money, positive and negative, because I think that it's good to not just talk about all the fear and the shame, but also talk about the positive parts and to see people win and to see people start to shift their relationship with their money. Because to me, there is nothing more rewarding in the world than seeing somebody go from a place of fear and shame and scarcity into an abundant place where money is meant to be enjoyed. I come from the viewpoint of I enjoy the money that I have while also being responsible for my future. So I take trips and I do things in my daily life because I work really hard. And there are certain things that I do that are forms of self-care that bring me joy. But I'm also very responsible with saving my money and taking my future into consideration and making sure that I'm preparing for tomorrow and it's not just all let me live for today and like this YOLO mindset. But it but it's having a balance of both because I know sometimes people can be super on the the side of avoidant and I'm just gonna ignore my finances and sweep it under the rug. And you know, it's just kind of this thing that I don't want to look at. And people can also overspend to overcompensate for things and to fill voids. And then people can be on the other end of the spectrum where all they do is save and they have so much fear that there isn't enough and the fear of spending their money that they don't enjoy their money. And I'm trying to help people to be somewhere where they can enjoy their money. Money should be bringing you joy. If it's bringing you fear, no matter how much money you have, like the fear can creep in. And that's the thing that I think people don't understand is there can be this idea of, well, if I make X amount more, then I won't have fear. Or if I make this amount of money, then I won't have spending problems. And that's not the way that it works. And I know that firsthand. I see it with my with the clients that I've worked with in wealth management. Like it, That's just not the way that it works. It is the root cause has to be addressed and has to be shifted. And so that's what I help people on with when I work with people one-on-one. That is one of the things that I that I help my clients with. And that is also the tools that I give people through Wall Street Girl Next Door and this podcast. And so, so that's a little about me and why I started Wall Street Girl Next Door and this podcast. So thank you for joining me on this episode of The Money Diaries. I always encourage you to reach out to me with any comments, questions, or if you need support, or if there's any topics you would like covered on an episode of The Money Diaries, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Wall Street Girl Next Door. And I will see you on our next episode.